Whew. All right, what is this? How's it going, everybody? I Whew. a little flustered. I am getting ready to go on vacation on Saturday and was just running around. And right before the show, forgot a lot about what I was doing. Misplaced my, what did I misplace? Misplaced my glass. Couldn't find my hat. So it's been a, it's been a minute, but welcome to the Alternative Black Show. People are going to be slowly tuning in, I hope, but I'm just going to let some people know that we are going live and we're going to see what happens. But today, what I am looking to talk about is we have another season coming up, so that's exciting. And then also we want to look at the Olympics a little bit because that's been crazy. Chris, why can't we get you in here? Why are you unable to join? Um, this is concerning to me because we need Chris. Might have to. Okay. What was going on? What's that? What was going on? Why weren't you, why weren't you able to get in? What was going on? Yeah. I don't know. I hit request and it was, it was just kind of buffering for a while. That's strange. Yeah, it was like I was asking, like I kept hitting accept, kept hitting accept. And at one point it says you were, you were unable to join. And I was just like. I don't know, man. <laughs> feels like my day. I, but it's, actually, it's been a really good day. So I don't know why I'm saying it. it's felt like that. It's just the last five minutes trying to get this started was nonsense. Like. Realized my phone wasn't as charged as I wanted it to be. I don't have my stand with me, so I, I have like a weight against it, so it stands up but still charges. Dude, I had the up, same setup situation. Right, but um, and then I got up here and I was like, "Where's my hat? Where's my glass? I, I can't find anything." And I was just running around trying to grab everything, and it's just been nuts. But other than that, it's been a really <laughs> good day. My hat's in the car, but I have the Crowns and Hops hat. Ooh, love that. I just invested $250 into that company. Oh, yeah. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. That comes out to like 50 shares for the time being. But they've been raising a lot of money, so I'm excited to see what happens with that. Um, it's one of those things that I don't truly understand what I invested in and what that means. But... Um, I really wanted to give them my money, even though I've never had one of their beers. I did. It was delicious. Whatever. <laughs> this is one of those rare moments where I can be salty about this. Where I shouldn't be, I guess, because this is like a beer that you've had that I haven't. And it was good. What are you drinking? I am drinking, it's called Broccoli Special Reserve. It's a Imperial IPA from Other Half. Wow, it really is broccoli, and it's Other Half. You know how I love Other Half. What percentage is it? Oh, you know, it's a nice low 8.3. 8.2? 3. 3? Oh, that's chill, you know. Wait, what are you I, thinking? I decided to go with a nice uh, triple broken heels. We're sitting at a, at a chill 11.5 here, so, you know. Oh, I, I didn't recognize that this was going to be an episode that you just came on to flex. <laughs> it's that type of says time. A guy drink, says a guy who's drinking other half. You had the same availability to get this. This was a Tavor purchase if i would have bought it it would have been shot down in a plane crash or something look this one uh had a little sticker on it said sorry uh that i'm not perfect because it has this little tiny mm -hmm. dent in it <laughs> <laughs> my confidence in tavor who's only ever let me down that one time <laughs> <laughs> i'm skeptical of getting shit from them. 
But every time I go on, it's just a bunch of sours and a few IPAs, and they're all hazy. So I'm just like, <sighs> I don't think you're getting those notifications the way that I do because they, they go oh, that's the other thing. I don't get notifications. I just go on when I go on. Oh, see, I get notifications throughout the day. And I've had to look away because I, I'm actually not going to – I'm not doing it this this month, right? Uh, I decided to take a quick hiatus because um, I found an, a bottle shop near me that I want to check out. And I was like, okay, rather than spending the – I don't want to disclose how much money on it for this month. I'm just going to go to this local spot and yeah. pick up some cool – cool things there you know hopefully there's some things that i haven't tried um but i get to support local it's it's in the neighbor it's around the neighborhood that i eventually want to live in so it's like okay let me let me see what they actually have and start building up a connection there so that's a good answer good answer good answer yeah yeah show me potato salad Uh, so I don't have the trailer for season two out yet. It's coming tomorrow. I'm excited for that. Um, because if you guys, what? Perfect timing. Right. Cause if you guys don't know, August, August is our official release of season two. We, our hiatus is over. We're going to have a nice, what, four episodes for, for everybody, five episodes for everybody. Um, Five episodes. Yeah, and I'm really excited about this. It, it's a really interesting conversation about was you always have the best way to describe this group of people. Do you not remember? We're talking about Wait. pirates. Cowboys. Oh, we're talking about vampires, pirates. Cowboys. What, what did you call them, though? You had a great phrase for this group of people. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, mysticized groups? There it is. Mysticized and that wasn't my, groups. That was not my phrase. That was Anna Dorr's phrase. Oh, so Anna Dorr's just always the GOAT. She, she, put the, she put some work in for this season. Like, I'm, I'm hoping it's... Thursday. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's received well. Um, I'm really excited about, about that. Um, oh, shit. Mm. Uh, I fucked up. This is my fault. Usually I have it timed out perfectly so that I can put the question out there for people to uh, ask questions for when we go live. And I did it early yesterday. And so now they don't pop up. Unfortunately, we only had one, um, one person ask a question. So that's not that bad because I can remember it at least. Um, yes. Um I do have a sample, by the way, if we want to. Oh, let's get into the sample yeah. game before we get into uh, discussing yeah. briefly it's what. It's obscure as hell. So, yeah. well, it's not obscure to me, but it's obscure as hell. Um, I don't have a sample. There's a lot going on in the background here, especially this AC going on. So let me know if you hear it or not. I'm just going to. I actually don't know where my speakers are on my uh, laptop. I'm trying to find them so I can just kind of like. <laughs> All right, this is um, this is Isaac Hayes' September romance intro from 2019. All right. 2019. <laughs> Is this explosive? Explosive? No. What is that? That it, like to me, it really like that. Do, 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 it kind of sounds like explosive for um, Dr. Dre exhibit, right? Explosive. Now this is from 2019. Now, so this is a pretty. Oh, that's right. Like how? Fuck. Like 2019. That's that's crazy. I I have nothing. I I can't. Can't place this. You want a hint? Sure. Like, all I'm hearing is that, like, do, 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 do. Is that what it is? 
Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. And even there's a little bit before kind of like a drummer's one, two, three, that's kind of hard to hear. And like and then it goes into the do 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 do. Oh, I don't got one this. Yeah, what's the hint? Try it one more time. No, I need a hint. The oh yeah. The hint would be it's a group, not a solo act. Brockhampton. And it's from this year. The album song. Is it not Brockhampton? It is Brockhampton. Yeah, you, you say obscure, and I can immediately go to Brockhampton, and I just cannot remember any of the tracks from from that. Project. Okay, this is it's Chain On featuring JPEG Mafia, who I was originally going to try to do a sample for him, <laughs> but I elected not to. But I will do it because it's a fun sample. I mean, we could do that one too if you want to. But <laughs> let's let's say that for another time because I'm just gonna try to remember yeah. it. This is the uh, this is Chain On by Brockhampton featuring JPEG Mafia. Okay. This feels like one of those things that I was just going to start to build and build and build as the track goes out. Which is funny because it actually doesn't. It's actually one of those. That's the beat. That's and there's two verses and then it's gone. Really simple. Really, it's a great song though. I really enjoy that one and. I had been meaning to look into JPEG Mafia for a while. Right. So now I see like I see that Rob has like jumped into jumped into the live. Um and I wasn't sure. I know they they have something that's coming up over uh, in Delaware, I think in the next couple of months. And I didn't know if they wanted to if Rob wanted to jump in and talk about that at all because that'd be uh, kind of cool to get some information I, i've been wanting to chat with them about that a little bit but can completely understand if they can't right now i want to have that conversation with with rob later anyway but if if rob you're available and want to jump in just you know hit us up jump in we we uh will always bring somebody else in to have these conversations um but yeah, making that announcement real quick. Season two is coming up next week. Uh, next week, yeah, August. August is here. We're we're starting our season two. Uh, we're gonna appreciate any type of feedback from anybody. Uh, so we're definitely gonna be reaching out to a lot of people that we uh, have had communications with and send them the the whole season as a whole because it's it's as we said five episodes. We're talking about mystic sized groups. We're, ooh, Rob, you, you want to jump in? I'm, I'm gonna send that that request over. Just in case, but uh, we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about cowboys, uh, pirates, vampires, voodoo, lots of different stuff, just to kind of talk about like the blackness within that that doesn't get discussed really, and how that relates to beer and how that relates to everybody as a whole. Hey, Chris, what's going on? I would, I just switched to my headphones here in the transition here. Hey. Let me know if my good. What's up, Rob? What's going on? How you doing, man? Yeah, I can't complain. How about y'all? I'm good. I, I'm finishing up some program for uh, work, and Saturday I head on up to Nantucket for two weeks, so I'm excited. Oh, Nantucket, that's nothing. I got, I got nothing interesting going on. <laughs> So, for, for anyone that's watching who doesn't know who you are, could you quick introduce yourself? All right. All right. Yeah. I am, um, I guess, one fourth uh, Bruce and Banter podcast. Uh, I guess I'm the ringleader, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah, we're a podcast. We, we craft beers are, are, are uh, backdrop. We talk, about, we talk to a lot of different guests and a lot of different topics. Uh, but, but we do. We are uh, four brothers that love craft beer and talk craft beer. But also, I could talk to hip hop journalists, and biologists, and everything in between. 
Nice, thank you. And we had the luxury of being on your show. We still got to get you guys on our show. Um, and that, that was a, a lot of fun. Right. We got to meet a lot of different people like Chris from BeerQuest like, through doing that. And uh, that's been, that's been uh, a pleasure. But you have yeah. something coming up. Do you want to kind of talk about that as well? We've been asked if Alessi comes up at uh, October 9th uh, here in Delaware at Belfont Brewing uh, in, uh, the Mar- in Marshbrook in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, it'll be a good time. There's quite a few brewers that, brewers are coming out. There's going to be plenty of food trucks, um, some, some vendors. Uh, I think I know for sure we're looking for um, uh, people of color, a lot of vendors. We're trying to, we're trying to get some uh, people of color who are vendors want to come out and sell, sell some of the merchandise but we don't want the same vendors at every um at beer fest around around here around our neighborhood so we're trying to get people that normally wouldn't be to come on out and enjoy themselves and if you are uh, interested or listening you can actually save uh 10 percent off if you use our uh, our uh, promo code which is group crew b-r-e-w-c-r-e-w so it's easy to remember you can stay 10 percent uh, off. I think they go pick go there right now. I think they're twenty five, but they go up to thirty five and um, next week, I believe. Uh, so, but you still get ten percent off regardless of when uh, when you use it. Oh, word! If you can drop that into the chat, that'd be amazing. All right. And you said uh, what was the date again? Was it October 9th, Did you say or September 9th? October 9th. October 9th, Okay. Gotta put that on the calendar. Yeah, that is a definite make. Make that happen. Look, that's a quick trip for me too, so I'm excited for this. All right, because you are you are feeling that, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm close enough, so. <laughs> Have you been um, jumping into the Monday night clubhouse conversations at all? Yeah, that was first. Yeah, I, I try to go every as much as I can. I don't know what you're doing, but I do try to get there. <laughs> And I think that's a, like really cool thing about that, uh, that clubhouse group, you know, being a Monday and everything too. Is like it's not always about like you have to walk in with a beer. Like you, you're able to have these whole conversations uh, about craft beer and understand what's going on and just talk to people about everything. And people come in drinking like liquor sometimes. People come in and it's just it's I'm detoxing. You know, right. Right. It's really cool uh, experience, which I gotta get Chris into. Chris, have you been able to yeah, get Not yet. Not yet. But I got I got to get in there. I got to get in there. Man, if they made it accessible for on my phone, I'd be I'd be all over it. But, you know. I do, but screwing around with setting that up. I mean, what what kind of phone you got cuz then they have you can be you can be Android too. Oh, oh, they got Android now? Yeah. Oh, oh, so there's no excuses. Oh. I know I still have invites. I'm going to set you up with okay. invites. Yeah, I think if I don't have a, Okay, if I don't have a softball game on Monday, I will be there then. There you go. Because I've, I've been MIA for the last couple of weeks, and I've been feeling bad about that. But um, I try to. we try to promote it. I know I put it put it up here on our space, but I also try to put it on my, my page as well, so I kind of highlight that. But that's the uh, how do, how do you feel about like how do you feel about um, having these kind of groups that we're all allowed to like walk into a space or exist in a space and talk about craft beer? I think I think it's cool. I think a, a lot of, especially a lot of times if you go into a regular crap uh, regular tap room, you might not have that same environment. So it allows you to uh, kind of express yourself and not have to explain it beforehand because people. You know, I already I get what you where you're coming from, uh, or at least have a familiarity that that you don't have to have a lot of backstory to go with. So I think that allows that. So when people are telling their stories, so people talk about a lot of different things about their experiences in the in the um, in the craft beer industry, and then it kind of veers off to, to other places too. So it allows the experience to be, and because the group is not super large, it still allows for an intimate conversation where. Anybody can chime in. I think one. I think we talked about uh, one of the most fast, one of one of the most strangest things that you like to eat. So it, it kind of goes <laughs> everywhere. Um, <laughs> and so I, so I got a lot of people that said they were going to try. Um, 
peanut butter and jelly with hot sauce on it because that's one of, one of my favorite things. You know what? I've really? tried that. That sounds good to me, actually. But I'm trying to. I'm trying to imagine it. I don't know. The sweet and spicy is yeah. great. Sweet and spicy, exactly. It's like pineapple have carbonaro and all the other kind of things. Right. Okay. okay. See, I'm sold. All right. And so this is why, like, I've always had this conversation about craft beer, especially when, like, the the narrative gets to, oh, black people don't like craft beer, you know, it's just like this accepted type of thing. It's like, okay, but for the amount of, like, flavors that exist within food and how important, like, spices and flavor um, to the black, like, in food to the black community, I said, that, that's just a lot. It's like, that, that can't be a solid argument. Because we just literally talked about sweet and spicy here, and you did exactly that. You brought it back to a beer where it was just like a habanero, pineapple, like spoke. Right. And and I think we were actually having this conversation in the clubhouse on Monday because they were saying, well, one, craft beer is not really marketed to, to us. And, oh, I mean, Very we, we, didn't like, we didn't like Pope 45 either, but you marketed to us. Uh, so, so. That's, that's a fair point. Well, it's funny because they don't market to us, but they will appropriate it for their own gain as well, while also not pushing it to us. Right. It's, it's a really awkward thing when you think about it. Like, I never... I never said that out loud, really, you know. But I've had that thought, like, "Oh, here's an MF Doom reference. How, how, you know, where'd you pull this from, you know?" And it's just, it's just like when I don't, when I think it, it makes sense in my head. But to say it, it's just so contradictory. It almost sounds crazy to say that it's actually happening, but it's definitely how a lot of places operate. They just, it, I, I guess they try to pull it into the realm of pop culture references but right. at the same time who pushes culture forward more than black people in america true well and i know i know they they really know what they're doing they just they don't want to give credit but they want to they want to take some of the they want some of the mystique and the uh, and the flavor of it oh yeah and we we're a hip brewery because we got this type of thing going on I mean, I, I mean, people could say the same thing about like Budweiser putting Biggie on the can, but the only thing about that one is the family does get some of the money, so mm. it's a little, it's, it's a little different where you where you see a lot like you see other rappers on the, on cans unless they actually are part of it, they don't get anything from it or didn't even get uh, get to sign off on it. So at wow. least with Budweiser, you know that uh, the Christopher Wallace estate did say that's good. Yeah, and see, I can respect that type of stuff. Um, Budweiser, I think, was one of those, like, before they got bought out, like, they, they were really big on not only hiring for the, like, community that was around them, but I know uh, they contributed a lot of their stuff to, like, nonprofit events. They would give, like, their beer away for free, which, I mean, I'm not even going to get into it when it comes to labor, but <laughs> that type of community impact is still... Um, but that's... I've heard that too, though, Tyler. I think I've heard that as well before, you know, originally when they were coming up as just Budweiser as an independent company, they, that's kind of what they were about was giving back to the community and hiring within the community and things of that nature. It's unfortunate now, obviously, they got bought out by, uh, it's now Anheuser-Busch, I think, runs all of, well, runs like half of brewing in general, right. so. Run beer. <laughs> um. So we, we talked about Clubhouse briefly, uh, just in terms of a nice like space to exist uh, as a black person and craft beer and feel comfortable, because there there are a lot of times where you walk into the uh, brewery and uh, you're either playing the county game and realizing you're the only person there, or everyone made you aware very quickly that you're the only person there. Right. Um, I, I just wanted to get some of your thoughts on what would a more inclusive space look like or what what is a good way to get more black people uh into craft beer before you get into that what are we drinking uh what we're sipping on i'm doing other half uh it's called broccoli special reserve chris has an amazing new trail what are you drinking new trail triple broken heels triple broken hills <laughs> yeah they're, that? they're it's a hazy triple so they're 
Their Broken Heels is their flagship hazy uh, IPA. Really good. They have a double, obviously, and then now they have the triple, and they also have a double dry hop Broken Heels as well, which is all of them are just awesome. Amazing. New trail. <laughs> hey, man, sometimes you just have to. Right. Have you ever had a oh. chance to try any new trail? Well, we've had new trail. I think we've had it on the at least one of them on the podcast at least at least once um i can't remember the style though i, I want to say it was a i'm not even gonna lie and say what i, I don't remember what it was <laughs> well if you guessed hazy ipa you'd probably right because i feel like 90 percent of their beers are hazy ipas or probably, new england style right. uh but i've never had a bad beer from them ever ever everything i've had was good and that's, uh, is that the one that's in, in Williamsport or something like that? Where, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know for sure we had it now. Now know that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, looking. Uh, I'm like, oh, buy the the baseball, the little league baseball. Little league, yeah. Yeah. Nothing like there you go. Games, All right. Uh, are you drinking anything? Else? No, I'm not drinking anything. That's alright. It's fine. It's it's early still. It's Seven thirty. I try not to drink on a week weekday because I drink a lot during the weekend. <laughs> I just try to keep everything pretty balanced. So I just, I... Yeah, just nice and level. <laughs> two here, two there, three here, three there. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, going back to it, like, I just wanted to know, like, some of your thoughts on what does a more inclusive space look like, or what can we do to get more people involved in craft beer? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with. Uh, getting the community involved because a lot of these breweries pop up in in black neighborhoods, and then when you go in there, the staff is not representative of the neighborhood. I think you got to start with a lot of it starting with staffing because then, if you, even if they don't drink craft beer, then you can educate them on what craft beer is, and they can go home and they can go out and tell them. So they become your own marketing firm without actually being mm-hmm. you know, like word of mouth. Like, hey, well, well, we can try this. Like when we, when we go to when we bring people uh, with us to the brewery, we like uh, they be like we'll drink beer, but we like well let's try this, this sour, and they be like oh this is beer, like they can't believe it. Right. And, then they, and now they drink, and now they ask us like yo, I'm at the brewery, I'm just picking this up. What y'all think about this? So it's it's about so that allows that's a, it's a twofold. It allows the um, community to say that you are are investing in the community because you are hiring in the community. And, and it also allows them to internally educate their staff, and then they, they can they'll go out in the community and say, "Yo, this is the beer. This beer game is something different that you might want to check out if you drink. I mean, you don't have to drink, but there's a lot of things that you can if, if you want to be a part of that. I think that starts with that, and also sometimes switching up the music every now and then." <laughs> I've seen it both ways, though, because we were talking about, like, the can art and, like, some of the names for some of these beers where it's, like, this cultural appropriation. And I've gone back, like, back in Redding to uh, breweries, like, on the outskirts of the town and walk in, and it's what the county looks like, not what the city looks like. But the music is, like, you know, you're playing Nicki, you're playing Beyonce, you're playing Drake, you know, you're, you're playing on music, but nobody looks like the people that are performing, like, on uh, like over the speakers. And that's always been um, something to me. I was like, if you're, if our music's good enough to listen to, like, why don't you, like, and that's what you're playing, like, and, and you don't feel some type of way about looking around and not seeing that representation there, in an area that also has that type of representation, like, has that, like, demographic, it, it, that doesn't sit right with me. Um, right. Well, that's why I say it starts with some of the staffing. Like, if, if you go in a brewery and there's not one person of color on the staff, then it's like, yeah. especially, especially like I said, most of these breweries pop up in in in, in, in your neighborhood. Like, you're like, yo, what's good with this? And but you don't see anybody who looks like you uh, working there, or and, and that I think if you see people working there. It allows you a little more comfortability. Like, okay, well, this is a this is a space that I may feel comfortable in, and so you you may be more prone to actually go in there and check it out than saying, ah, that ain't for me because they ain't got nobody that look like me up in there. And that's a very that's cool. that's. I was gonna say that's like a very nuanced point because I feel like I feel like a lot of times we talk about oh, how do we get more black people into craft beer as 
an outside coming in? How do we pull them in? How do we get them interested? But it's also like, how do we, how do we allow them the space to learn about it, be in the industry, and actually work on the op- on the other side of it in the production side, selling things like that, to where they can actually have an opportunity to become interested in something like this, especially. Like you said, if it's in the neighborhood and no one in the neighborhood's working there, now all of a sudden it's pretty blatant that you aren't doing anything for the neighborhood that you're in. Right. And as we as we always say, you know, a brewery's one of the signs of gentrification, one of the big signs of gentrification. You see a brewery pop up, you're like, uh oh, here we go. You know? So to see that, to see places that actually do it and the fact that I can't really name all but maybe one place uh, that isn't black owned that actually has a uh, a staff of color. Generally, you know that's that, that's a pretty sad thing. Right. But I think it speaks to your point. What what place is that? Oh, Love City. I just have to always give Love City a shout out. <laughs> I think what they do is incredible. Um, yeah, so I always have to give Love City a shout out. Um. I'm glad Raven's in here because we're going to get to a question that Raven had. I believe it was Raven. Um, but just to talk on this briefly still, it's having that company or the brewery that exists within that area and having like a staff that's you know, hired from that community is, is a huge step. It's very much to me like um, if you put a mural up, in an area and it was just some random artist who has no connection to the neighborhood and, and they put that mural up, there's a good chance it's going to get tagged. Like it, 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 mm-hmm. it, it's not necessarily safe. It could be untouched if you go on, but you know, I feel like a mural that, even if it's commissioned by an artist that's not from the area, but the area is part of creating it and has involvement with it, it's ten times more likely just to be, you know, safe in, in the regard of just like not being touched. And I think it, what we see in neighborhoods a lot of times is the brewery comes in, doesn't have any type of investment in it, doesn't hire within that area because they have this preconceived notion of uh, the people in the neighborhood aren't interested in it. You know, um, we're here, but nobody's coming in. Why aren't you know? Like, there's not much more that we can do. Uh, which is something like Four City up in uh, New Jersey. They, they they talk about that a lot um, from different conversations I've heard with them. Uh, and I think it, it's a big part of it. You can't just like clock into a neighborhood and expect there to be change. You know, there has to actually be an effort on the beer community side of it and not just the beer community that's talking in this chat right now. Like, it, it can't just be us. Right. I think a lot of people try to be like, what, oh, well, why not why black people ain't drinking beer? Why not enough? Get them drink beer. Because they're, they're not looking at a holistic approach. They like just want to tap into the black buying power because it's strong. But they mm-hmm. don't want to say, well, how do we make them feel inclusive? So they, 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 they miss a part of the equation. So therefore, they don't really, so you won't tap into it if you miss out, if you're not really understanding the whole equation where if you bring in the community, even if there's like an educational night, um, that you really try to grow hard into the community and say, well, this is where a stout is. This is what an IPA is. Use a flavor profile. Um, see if you like it. This is a sour. Uh, maybe you like it. And, and just bring it. I don't know. Maybe bring in a community band that that can also draw, draw in. That I mean, even if you don't do hip hop, you can still find. Uh, we got plenty of jazz bands, uh, plenty of um, folk bands. I know some folk singers up in here too. So even some of the music that even if it's live entertainment. It tends not to be live entertainment I would listen to either <laughs> uh, that they bring in. So I think if you bring in more diverse uh, entertainment as well, along with the staff, and um, just to even get people in the space initially, just to say, check it out, like, oh, okay, pretty cool. They come for whatever they come for, and then they stay for the beer. And then that, and that can draw, draw them in as well. I love that. That's, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, so, non-beer related question, but I think it's still kind of important, like, and I think Raven's still in here, so if I don't ask the question right, she can always bring back in here, because um, <laughs> I messed up, 
I, I put up our uh, questionnaire too early, and now the question that was uh, actually asked doesn't pop up here. Uh, but it, it was about, have you been watching the Olympics at all? I watched, I watched some of it, yeah. So Simone Biles, right? Like, um, what 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 happened with like, approaching? I think basically the final um, competition and her decision to bow out like right right before everything because of um, her mental health. I, I just wanted to hear some of your thoughts about that. Well, I put of what she wanted to do because a, a lot of times, especially as a black woman, they be like, oh well, they don't they don't feel you deserve a break or, or um, they don't even value your mental health. They'd be like, well, black women, you strong, strong black women. Sometimes you, don't, you, don't, you can't always be a strong black woman. Sometimes you need a checkout. And I like, I like people were saying, this young lady was dealing with, she was sexually assaulted all through her career in the US, USO, and, I mean, US Olympic, uh, thing, whatever it was. And she did some of these things on broken toes. So the fact that, that as she's older and she's realizing more that She's more than an athlete, like the Broadway said. And so therefore, so when she long done, she could have went out there, hurt herself because she wasn't mentally uh, in the right space and hurt herself for life. And you'll, and people who are judging her right now, be long, long gone and forget about her. They're suffering with whatever they thought. Oh, now you're doing it for your people. Now you're doing it strong. And you, uh, so now the fact that they're calling her, some people are sitting that side and saying, we, and she gave up on her teammates. Her teammates were fully supportive, and it allowed them to step up and actually shine as well. And she was still there. Absolutely. She's been mentoring them all this time as being the oldest. Because she's 24, and the people that she was doing gymnastics with and like, the last Olympics ain't even on the team. So that means yeah. she's been there. Olymp uh, that, that takes a lot a big toll on your body. And so eventually, she probably was, she probably went in there, and I think she mentioned it herself. Like now that she's getting older, some of the flips she do, she like, she starts to doubt. Like oh, now that I know, she she's now had that fear. After, once you get that in there, she starts to see well, it might be time for me to have up. Right, and you know everything. I agree with everything you said, and thank you. Uh, there's there's some I think there's some parts that you said specifically that I hadn't elaborated on in my mind like i haven't like, gone, like dug deeper but I, I agree with everything that you have to say uh and the point that i was going to bring up raven uh who, who brought the question up for us anyway uh said it you know they were already scoring her lower and like she was already setting the bar higher for olympians to begin with like what does she really have to prove like they already showed that they yeah really scared of her talent anyway and um that's where I'm at with it. Right, and yeah, and that's a fair point because you like, why why would you skew my scores just because to make everybody else feel better? So now that now that I want to back out because you know what, I'm not feeling good. Now you got a problem, but you were you weren't worrying about everybody else, but you weren't worrying about me. So yeah, exactly. They're worried about everyone but her, except for when it is her and um. But like, if you can't do a cartwheel, then don't speak on my good system. Home. Yes, I've seen a lot of that too. Like, if you can't even, if you can't even get out there and do like anything close to what she can do, where where can you really speak yeah. on? Um, I, I think what my fear comes to, and I think with gymnastics, it might be a little different. I think that's a, a lot harder of a field to have like longevity in. But what oh yeah, twenty four is ancient. Right. My in gymnastics. In gymnastics, like with Simone Biles, is my same fear with um, Naomi Osaka, and looking at the kind of um, pressure and the, the the hot takes and the uh, the eyes that are on her about her mental health. We're hitting an era of uh, athletes, especially like black athletes and like biracial or athletes that are not like um, who are standing up for themselves and taking themselves into consideration first and uh, I, I'm just, I am worried we're seeing the higher ups try to push these type of athletes out right yeah, and I think a lot of it because one they don't understand uh, it's not just being an athlete they're also idol pressures of being a person a dominant person in sport, 
that's not normally dominated by who I am. So there's a lot of societal things that they may not even ever feel. Like, I mean, you can have another a, a white star that is cool, and they can do the same exact um, Naomi did, but they won't say anything she's not. She's held to a different standard because, oh, you're you're the first, but you're one of very few. So therefore, you, you stand out more uh, even when you're not trying to stand out. Even if you just want to walk in a room and be who you are, they're like, I know, you, you're going to be this person. So, and then when I be like, you know what, I, I'm not, my, my headspace is not for that. I want to. I don't have time to ask questions. And if all I want to do is not answer questions, well, let me do that, and maybe I'll come back um, when I am in a better headspace. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a big issue with athletes in general because there's there's always the uh, the argument of well, it's in your contract, you got to talk to the media, this and that. But at the same time, you know, a contract is one thing, and you can you can abide by the contract as you you know as you see fit, but you know just because something is law doesn't mean something is right, you know morally. Just because something is legal doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And sometimes I feel like some athletes get put, you know, get crucified for that when they're not really doing anything wrong. And I think oh, it takes a special type of person to really be that person to fall on the sword and you know i i marshawn lynch is a person that comes to mind in terms of media specifically colin kaepernick agree obviously yeah a contract is not a contract until until it pertains to the player if i want to cut you you're gone if i want to trade you yeah i didn't sign with you i signed with the lady but you didn't trade it over there because hey you got so it's not really it's not really a binding, and that's that's what people. I feel like that's what people forget. I feel like their loyalty, especially with team sports, it's so far far to the team. Because if it were any other industry or mode of employment, you know, they'd be like, "Well, did you get in contact with your union? Why isn't your union protecting you from your employer? You know, this, that, and the third. But as soon as it's an athlete, it's because they're making a particular. Maybe they're making a particular amount of money. But it's like, yeah, but they're going to make that money over six years if they're lucky, especially, say, like a football player. They right. might make that over three years, and then you literally, the thing that you were a professional at, you physically can't do anymore. What are you going to do? A lot of, and so it's it's not like these guys are, you know, made after their, lot, after their uh, football careers are over, or any athlete for that matter. And Simone Biles especially coming back, circling back to that, you know, gymnastics. I don't know how much. I don't know how much she's getting paid, or how how I'm sure. She, I'm sure as who she is, she's at least being taken care of with sponsors. Right. But be, it's because she's so great that she is. There are many others below her that aren't taken care of, and they're doing it because they love the sport or their passion or they're just trying to make a name for themselves and get by and for those few people you know or many people i should say you know that's where the real problem lies because and i think simone and naomi osaka have realized that you know they've reached they've reached a point in their influence in the sport in their particular sport where they are able to push the envelope and take themselves first in these situations because it's also like a power play at the same time because there is only one Simone Biles. There's only one Naomi Osaka right now. And while, yes, there are others that will come in and do the job for you, the sport itself, the administrations behind it, the organizations behind it, the sponsorship, they lose a lot of money if Naomi is not on the court. If Simone isn't competing, they lose a lot of money and a lot of viewership that way because a lot of people are tuning into gymnastics strictly because of her. Right. So they still, I think they've realized their influence and their power, and I think they've decided they're going to use it for 
for good in this in this situation because there's a lot of people be- beneath them that aren't at that superstar status that really need what they're pushing for if you know as much if not more and they can't do it because they won't be able to survive if they don't you know enter that next tournament or compete in this next event right and a lot of people were saying that it was a she took the easy way out her uh, I think it was the. I think it was easy. It would have been easier for her to just go out there and to and to be a good soldier. Throw it in. Yeah. The just, fact that she stood on her belief, like, and she took care of her, because nobody else going to take care of you but you. So if she stayed, stood on her mental health and said, you know what, it's safe for me anymore, and I'm not gonna bow out. Oh yeah. So Raven brought up another point that I definitely want to jump into, um, but going into that about like protecting herself because no one else is going to protect her. I think, you know, when, when we're looking at this this particular uh, instance, a lot of the narrative that's been put out on social media was looking back at, I forget what era it was, but there was another Olympic athlete who was actually injured doing the same kind of event and was kind of like coaxed into actually performing when she was injured and going out oh, there. Yeah. Oh. And the coach on the side was like, you can do it, you can do it. And everyone's just like, wow, like, look what they did for their How great. What, what yeah. This is amazing. And now people are looking back at it, and some people are just are saying it as a way of like, look, look at how they did that, and Simone couldn't do it. But other people are looking at it like, Wow, for the longest time, I, I watched that and I was inspired and I was like proud of that. And now, through growth and understanding, becoming a better person, that's horrific. We have so it's gaslighting at its finest. Right. And you know what, specifically about this Olympics, is uh, there was a tennis player, I think today, that uh, collapsed and through heat exhaustion had to be taken out because of the specific schedule that they're going through. Uh, which was Don't like, even get me started. I was listening yeah. to a podcast about it prior to it happening where they're saying like they're trying to um, push the schedule because it's the best like viewership and it's the best way to get through but they're getting like this huge heat wave and it's concerning to a lot of these athletes and literally it affected one of those athletes. And they're like, who's responsible for this? Dude. If this person dies, whose fault is this? Because yeah. they should have been playing under other circumstances. And so we, can, we can't any longer, we, we can no longer look at these things as, man, they put their heart and line uh, on, they put their heart, heart and soul on the line and didn't care about um, their well-being because they cared about their country more. Yeah. Uh... Tennis specifically when it comes to Olympics is an issue in general because, one, it falls right in the middle of their season because they have a, a tiny break, you know, in, at the end of the calendar year before they get into the preparing for the Australian Open in, er, in the early part of the calendar year, right? Because they have the Masters the and, and then they – the U.S. Open's in, in the fall, September, right? And then yeah. it goes into the the final. It goes U.S. Well, I mean, and then US, then US, calendar. Australian starts it. Yeah, and then yeah, then the calendar year starts over. So there's like a little. If you aren't invited to the final, then you have this little bit of leeway to get ready for the next round. And the Olympics always falls in the middle of all of these tournaments, and. Tennis especially, and then I'm sure if it's happening in tennis, it's happening in other sports similar to tennis that are structured that way, um, where they have to kind of put on hold their own livelihoods, especially the lower-ranked players, to go play for their country in in a tournament that they're probably not going to win because, you know, maybe Djokovic is playing for Serbia, you know, and... You know what I mean? Like something crazy like that, and they, they're clearly not. But, and because it's so condensed and the logistics of having an Olympic, having an Olympics is so massive, they jam all of these matches into a short amount of time 
And I remember there was a huge issue with tennis in the last Olympics because it was in uh, Brazil. And obviously heat exhaustion was a big issue in that one as well. So it's, it, you know, it's interesting that it comes, it comes around again. Well, it's five years later now, but you know what I mean? It comes around again in this Olympics because it's just, we are just pushing these athletes so hard. It's only a four year thing. They're making their livelihoods as athletes in those off years on a set schedule. Now all of a sudden the Olympics come and everything gets disrupted. They have to do qualifiers and qualifiers and qualifiers and tuning up and now they're ready and now they have to go compete as well. And for a lot of these athletes, you know, they're just getting bulldozed with responsibility and it all comes back to, well, you're doing it for your country and serve your country and this type of thing. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, yes, there is such thing as national pride, but at what cost to you as a person, you know what I mean? And, I, and especially with the history of America, as a black athlete, once you understand the history of America, it's kind of hard <laughs> to say, okay, I'm going to literally destroy my physical self, my mental self for in the name of my country when they've never, when they've done only that throughout its history. Yeah, what they did to, like, Jesse Owens after, you know, he did what he did, and um, the, the way that they tried to leverage him with other uh, Olympians um, as what a black, like, athlete with, like, national pride is supposed to look like, and it, it, it's just, there's just so much to, like, unpack and digest with, with all what it's saying, uh, what we're saying. And discussing, uh, I want to get back to Raven's point on uh, the black uh, British football and uh, players who were you know, destroyed with racism, uh, racism via social media. And it's very true because they don't have that persona, they don't have that power and that celebrity that Naomi or Simone had. And it, it very, it was so close. And for, for many people, it did go under under the radar. Um, I, I think, thankfully, you know, I have a couple of people that I follow uh, across the pond who, um, who are speaking like Oh, across the pond. I don't have a lot of opportunities to across the pond. Across the pond. But that's very real. And so when you have an individual sport, specifically like tennis and you have, or gymnastics a lot of the times, too, we have these people who... Um, have the leverage to speak up, I, I think it's, it's hugely important because it, it's what we're talking about with craft beer. It's what we're talking about, you know, in all these other instances. It, it's the moments where there is power and leverage and ability to discuss these things and have these greater conversations that you start to understand what's happening everywhere else. So for a lot of people, when I first talked to them about why I think it's so important that black people are involved in craft beer, it's just like, okay, like it's, 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 it's alcohol, it's like drinking, but like, but it's so much more than that. It's an industry that mm-hmm. has from like 200 breweries to eight, wait, what, like close to 8,000, I think in, in the U.S. currently in, in the span of 10 years. That's a It's a booming thing. industry. That's a microcosm for the, for basically how the country has always operated is why it's important. Yeah, sure, it's just about beer, but it's about all of the factors that lead to why the beer industry is what it is. Because the beer industry is, isn't is what it is just because black people don't like beer, as we belabored that point. It's because all of the outside forces that lead to a particular subset of, of a culture and money and things of that nature, you know, uh, access to resources, these types of things, all of that pulls into the craft beer industry. It doesn't go inward inside the industry and outward. It's all connected from outside of the industry. So you can relate it to any other type of specification you want to, and it's going to add up to the same issues that are plaguing craft beer 
in terms of diversity and inclusion. It doesn't matter. You can you can say, well, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of softball players that are that are black and women. Well, okay, why is that? Oh, well, that's not a game that's normally played in the inner city. Okay, why is that? And eventually everything leads back to the same answers that are why is craft beer what it is right now. I saw a black hockey player on the, the train in Philly the other day, and I was really excited. That, that like, made me so excited. And it, and it, and it actually kind of, and I like, a lot of this all goes back to, I can't remember, I don't, I don't know if the young lady came, there was a, a young uh, white lady, white young lady who was on, I think on the ESPYs, and she said, yeah, thanks for the award, but there's a whole lot of people, because the media decided to make me the narrative, that's why you care about who I am. And, and, but there's so many other black and brown folks out here doing work that you don't focus on. So that so the media has a lot of portion fat. So a lot of times they build you up and break it down anyway. So I mean, there's that as well. That that I, I thought that was a, an amazing um, use of privilege. I, I think is the best right. way to, to put it. Yeah, the basketball player. I think she she was like, look, I know I'm talented. Like I, I'm out here, I do the damn thing. However. I can look around and see what talent is around me too. Something's not right here. So I think that's always important as well. It's um, it's it's really important to see those people in spaces that because um, I was in Love City and hearing like after uh, Rat Magnet with Notch Green Company and was putting like talking about everything that was happening there. And it was, it was very interesting to see a lot of people within the beer industry, especially the males in the beer industry, get into a group setting and say, like, yeah, you know, we see these things. We're not sure, you know, how we are supposed to handle it as community and everything like that. Like, I wanted, like, I wanted to speak up, but wasn't, like, sure what the culture was here. And I, I get the understanding. I mean, I understand that the community as a whole, the craft beer community, doesn't have as many opportunities to actually sit down there and speak to each other because they're usually working at the same time and those like things aren't happening all at the same time. However, it is in those moments where it's uncomfortable and it's unknown. Um, what what happens in those moments are are just as important as the moment where everyone is together and saying like, yeah, no, this is bad. It's like no, like. When you see these things happen, are you the one stepping up? And uh, I think that's why it was really interesting to watch what city hold that space in general because that was a moment of, oh, we see this issue and we're addressing it right away versus, like, is anyone going to speak up first? And I'm like, let's jump into it. They, they started leading a charge on that. And until we have a whole community of people that are doing that, it's going to be an issue. Like, when we walk into a craft brewery and we're the only person there, that's already, like, why? But on top of that, if somebody like us walks into a craft brewery, notices, like, I think this happened in Oregon recently, Portland, Oregon, one one of the craft beer capitals of the world, right? And uh, they use the NWA part. It was the NWA. And he goes, I don't see anybody working here. That looks like me. I don't see anybody drinking here. That looks like me. Why are you using my culture? And then to be laughed at and told like that they're like taking this like situation out of context. The reason that brewery or that like organization or ownership has no right to even pretend to say something like that or have anything to back them up is because of the fact that they don't have anybody and that it's not an inclusive environment. It's a lot bigger of a story if that's like 50% uh, employee, like employment is black, or like it's 75% like owned by black people and like people of color, and like it changes the whole way things shift. And more likely not, if it was LA, probably there wouldn't be these issues in the first place. And that's what's not getting across to people. Right. Well, I mean, the whole thing is. Is all over. Like when you go to like marketing company, you be like, "Well, we didn't think offensive that ad was offensive." And then you look at who's in that, in the, in that space. You're like, well, obviously you didn't because y'all thought it was funny. <laughs> because y'all didn't. 
because you didn't get it because there was nobody to say, no, nah, you probably shouldn't do that. And that goes for um, uh, uh, trans women, um, black folks, uh, Hispanic, Latino, Latinx. It doesn't matter because if there, there's nobody in the room to represent, to have a different voice, then it's, you can't say, well, that's not a Christian to me. You don't know that. You don't know it's not offensive to me because you, I'm not in there to tell you that. Probably can do that, so you just listen to your uh, own bubble. So therefore, you don't have any, uh, I guess, other perspectives to say. Well, maybe that's not yeah. the way to go. So if you always surround yourself with voices that are just a sounding board that say the exact fact, you're not ever going to change on how you feel. See what's going on? It's very true. It's very true because I think a lot of times we hit topics or discuss things that need a different perspective, a female perspective that we necessarily don't necessarily have or a black female perspective. And it's like, okay, this is, this is our initial thought on it, but we can't really give a complete opinion, a nuanced opinion about it because we wouldn't, we aren't affected by this. And I think, I think a lot of people lack empathy, I guess would be, the way to put it, yeah, I, I think, think you those, need empathy. I, I think those conversations we don't like shy away from trying to have the conversation, but we always uh, acknowledge the fact that we're we're speaking from a different lens than it needs to be discussed through. Um, we're always looking for people to like jump on and discuss it from that lens um, because they're going to give a, a more personal, more nuanced, and uh, uh, more honest conversation around it. The Last thing I have to like that I have to contribute to this conversation is kind of um, one of my good friends always says, you know, inherently like you're gonna help everybody else if you help out the, the how man I usually have the like correct phrase for this. Uh, you help out the most like the most vulnerable group vulnerable group you inherently will help everybody else rather than like a triple down effect you know it's like that triple triple up effect uh triple up effect see chris you got yeah. about triples you have that broken triple yeah. but um and that's usually the black trans woman and i, I think that that's very very true as well we, we speak from a lens of um, not not specifically like black male craft beer drinker biracial like craft beer drinker you know we, we have that acknowledgement of what what that uh difference is within itself but we, we know there's a whole other like range of conversation that needs to have uh to have what we're just only scratching the the surface on um but i, I think what's beautiful about the three of us just purely existing in the space that we do is our presence alone is the protest. Right. That's powerful. Absolutely. So does anybody else have anything they wanted to say or discuss? Oh, that was a profound point right there. You just uh, (laughs) tied it up in a nice in a bow and as you always do, Tyler. I try, you know, um, but yeah, to say to reiterate this once again, season two is coming out in August. We we have a new season. It's it's finally here, uh, which means season three is on its way as well. So we're probably gonna hit you up because we need to get some interviews done for season three, and you guys are on our list anyway. All right. Um, before we leave, though, I need you to promote what's happening in October one more time and drop anything in the chat uh, in case people haven't looked back at. All right. Once again, uh, Bruce and Bennett Podcast is hosting the Delaware Beer Fest October 9th at Belfont Brewing. Uh, if you go to www.delawarebeerfest.com, put a promo code BREWCREW, you can save 10% off tickets. The tickets, there's no VIP, it's a general mission. Everybody can save, so you can save 10%. Uh, I think the tickets are right now $25. They go up the second week of August to 35 but you will still save. 10% regardless, so come on out, hang with your boys, uh, see us, see, have good food, good beer. Um, there'll be plenty there because I know they're working uh, really hard to get some uh, some really good beers out there to the um, 
because it's the first time first time really back. They did something smaller last year, but they want to really come back this year and then really come back again in 2022, even harder once hopefully COVID has <laughs> the distant memory. <laughs> Who knows? Awesome. Uh, I'm hoping we're going to get a post of all of that put out to, uh, tomorrow for you guys as well. So I'm going to hit you up to get some of that information so we can make a post. But thank you for jumping in. Uh, you, you jumped in about halfway through this, so very happy that you stuck with us through, through all this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Uh, it's a blast as always. As Absolutely. Always, yeah. We definitely yeah. got to get up, especially since you're in Philadelphia now. We, and we live pretty close. You got to come and check out First Date. And we and I've been to Love City once, but I got to definitely come back up to Love City. and, and Actually, because I never sat in the brewery. I just went up there, picked up beer, and left. So I really got to come up. Awesome. Gotta come in. We'll make that happen. We got to make that happen. Yeah. It's a good time. But uh, until next time, guys. All right. Peace. Peace.